Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End. Uh, my name is John. With me on this Sunday evening, the day after Watford drew 1-1 away at Rotherham in the New York City Stadium. No, New York Stadium. Uh, is Mike? Yeah, hello. I wasn't at uh, Rotherham yesterday. I went to, um, and stand by your beds, don't tell any other adults this, I was at the wrestling yesterday, I was lucky enough to get some tickets from WWE to go to their big event in in Cardiff, and the reason I mention it is there's lots going on with the world, there's lots of people facing up to some tough stuff, there's lots of people who are angry and grumpy, Watford fans included with with what's going on at, at Vicarage Road for whatever reason. And people are very, very quick to sort of be uh, dismissive and judgmental about stuff like wrestling. And last night, there were 60-odd thousand people in a stadium cheering their heads off. And I don't think I've seen so many happy people in one place for, for, uh, for, for ages. Just seeing everyone stream in, stream out, the biggest grins on their faces, having the time of their lives. So just it just made me realise and, and, and remember how important it is to do stuff that makes you happy. To be, if you've got, if you can find something that makes you happy, cling on to it and do it for all you're worth. And it was, uh, it was worth the trip just to, to see that. It was, it was brilliant. Well, fantastic, uh, and hopefully that'll help us in the podcast. <laughs> well, it was only a draw; we didn't lose. So I mean, I'm not having to do too much work there to get your happiness back. But joining us uh, this week, uh, someone who many of you will see uh, on on Twitter. Um, uh, he's been on a podcast a, a few times. Uh, he was at the New York uh, Stadium yesterday. Is Stu H- Stu Hutchie Hutchinson? How are you, Stu? Hello. Good evening, chaps. Good evening. Yes, very well, thank you. Very well. And how was how was the trip to uh, to Rotherham? It was all right, yes. I mean, uh, Rotherham's the sort of place where you, um, the reality of your new surround- circumstances really, really sort of bites. Hang on, you can't kick off until they've played the Premier League anthem? Oh, no, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was all right, yeah. Got a bit of luck. Um, got a, organised a car share with a friend on late on Friday night, which saved us about £1,000. And um, <laughs> we had a nice sort of, uh, found a nice village pub. Where, where, our, where our friend had, our friend had gone to, uh, he went to Barnsley for the postponed game 30 years ago and found a really nice pub. Well, and, and, and hadn't come back south since. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, loved it so much, stayed there. No, uh, and uh, 30 years on, he, um, uh, yeah, he sort of uh, uh, booked a table there and we went there and it was very nice. It was very nice. Um, so that was good, you know, because, you know, uh, Rotherham's. Rotherham. You know, <laughs> yeah, it is. Rotherham is Rotherham, you know, like Tony Evans, this uh, sort of journalist and professional scouser, um, he always, he, he once said, wrote, and I remember this, he said, uh, if, if the score, if the result ruins your away day, you're doing football wrong. And I've kept that close to me in the last sort of five, six years. And so whenever we go away, <clears throat> we try and do something else. Just so if we do lose, which we often do, it's, uh, you know, you, you, you can take something from the day, whether it's um, the pub or, you know, stone rubbings at an Iron Age fort or something like that. To be honest, it's usually the pub. But I mean, you know, there's not really anything in Rotherham, you know. It's like, hey, kids, look, abandoned warehouse. Kids, kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you were having to use Tony's words. You had to clutch those, your little printout of that, of that phrase after about four minutes yesterday, right? Yes, very close to my heart. Yes, yes. What happened? Because, because I've watched the goal back and, and it looks like there was a, a litany of errors for, for that goal. Talk us through what it looked like in the stands. Well, first of all, it was it was it was a carbon copy of the Middlesbrough game in that we start we started off playing like drains and went behind early mm. to a very yeah to a, to a very similar goal. It was only a only a sort of an episode of individual brilliance that got us back into it. But I mean their their goal, I mean at the time I thought Backman should come for it. Obviously crosses are not his, exactly his strong point. But having watched it back on the TV, the ball kind of never even went inside the six yard box, and maybe it was too far out for Backman. Although it did seem to be in the air for a long time. 
Cabaselli just kind of stopped, but Cathcart mm. let the let the let the scorer run in front of him. I like to blame everyone in you know in life generally, so I'm going to blame everyone for this. Yeah, yeah. It got, the ball kind of fell in this like horrific Bermuda triangle between the three of them, and uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm not quite sure. I felt like looking at it the way it it was actually the, the, how it went up and down. It wasn't like a normal cross. It was almost you know it didn't get deflected whatever, but it was just very high and coming down. And they didn't quite know what they were doing, and therefore they all made the mistake of not quite taking ownership of of a cross, be it the goalie, be it the the two centre backs. I think that sort of collection of errors, and and I think we have to mention João Pedro to a degree. Maybe did he yeah. could he have been a bit stronger in in perhaps winning the ball back off off the off the guy before the before the cross came in. He was able to loop the cross in. He sort of he sort of used his instep, didn't he, to loop it into the into the danger area. And as you say, Stu Cabaselli seemed to let him go. You could see Craig Cathcart sort of remonstrating as the ball went in. He he obviously expected Cabaselli to to go, and Cabaselli one would presume expected. Cathcart to, to be tracking him. Um, unfortunately, it's more currency for people who are, are less than impressed with, with Cabaselli getting a starting berth week in, week out. And we know we've got it in him. I'll never forget that moment at Bournemouth where he just sort of, he just lay down, didn't he? <laughs> Which was odd. So he's obviously got got that in him. All of them involved, you know, Semmer was was down there as well. He he lost out initially. Did Jao Pedro have a chance to, to get it away? Uh, Capitelli and Cathcart didn't get themselves organised to head away. What was a, a fairly innocuous cr- cross, really. It was a bit of a loopy old, as you said, John. It wasn't fizzed in or whipped in or anything like that. Everyone had a good sight of it and should have been able to deal with it. Did, did, should Backman have, have organised things? We've mentioned half the team there in what was a fairly average average move. It wasn't a brilliant goal, was it? It was all of our own doing, really. And uh, and this is something I'd like to ask both of you about, really. It speaks to that, you mentioned it, Stu, the slow start. It happened on, on, on Tuesday against Middlesbrough, where we were abject for, for 20 minutes. It sounded like the, almost the same here. And having watched the highlights, they had a real good chance to, to go 2-0 up um, relatively shortly afterwards, didn't they? The guy sort of shanked it wide when a better striker would have would have at least worked worked down backman. So we could have been two nil down, and and then finding life very very difficult because of this this slow start again. And what makes it curious for me is that these are this isn't a, a ragtag and bobtail Watford side that's just been sort of shunted together with these are these are really good players who are presumably playing for a place in the Premier League. They want promotion and or, or either want to move away to the to the Premier League. So. Why can't they start well? Is this something that that Rob Edwards and his coaching staff need to look, to look at? Or I sort of saw it originally. It? My my original thinking behind it was, they, even though we've had players leave and players come and some players with injuries, it's almost like I, I I put it down initially to some of the games we've seen. Oh, they're just taking it slowly to begin with because they've made a few changes and that player's out position and all that sort of stuff. But now it does feel like a little bit lacklustre. And that doesn't quite sit quite right with me. Um, and yes, they more so because of the changes that were made. They weren't necessarily changes that were going to, you know, it, it weren't midfield changes where you feel that actually we need to get the tempo of the game quite right. There was, you know, we we finished with uh, with with Hawes on against Middlesbrough and he started, and then Bayer up front. I don't think yeah, the striker doesn't count in terms of how much you know speed and stuff you put but, into but a game. But surely, but surely a change in personnel, John, isn't an excuse for no, no, now starting. It yeah, now it isn't. Absolutely, now it isn't. The, initially, my thinking was that must be why they're doing it. Now it definitely feels as if they're, well, somebody either being told to or they are making a decision just to take it a little bit too slow or 
You don't want, of course. You don't want them to feel that there's sort of an air, an aura of arrogance about them. Well, that's what I was going to ask, Stu. Do you think there's a possibility that this group are potentially underestimating what they're what they're coming into uh, to opposition with? Because we sort of j- joked uh, lovingly, I would like to think about about Rotherham, just Bayo, Pedro. Do these guys sort of turn up at Rotherham and think, we, well, we're going to win? And, and is that is that feeding into a slow start? But having said that, it wouldn't it wouldn't work against Middlesbrough, who presumably they know know more about and recognise more as a as one of the better sides in the division. What's your take, Stu? I'm not sure about the arrogance, but uh, one thing from being there, there was an element in the opening stages where it was total chaos. That shot, that chance you mentioned, the second chance, where I think Connor Washington span and put it well wide, mm-hmm. that resulted from us sort of scuffing, uh, I think like Backman played a short free kick, in, uh, a short goal kick, yeah. the defender got yeah. into trouble, played it back to Backman, who just sort of shanked it along the floor 25, 30 yards out to their, 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 mid, their attacking midfielder. There was about five minutes where it just reminded me of Leeds away last season, which is, you know, one of the worst things, not only football match, one of the worst things I've ever seen. I think Adam Levertal called it like, we look like a pub team that had fallen out with each other. And then for about five, ten minutes yesterday, the early stages before we equalised, we were like that. We literally didn't know what to do with a goal kick, you know, whether to play it short and then Backman would just give up and wave everyone long and then Rodham would head it back and be on the attack. When you go out and you're that badly organised, I think you've got to look at, I think you've got to look at the manager, really. I mean, you know, he's young. He will make mistakes and we're going to give him time, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I mean, he sent a team out there who didn't seem to know what they were doing, even the basics. And the, like the Middlesbrough game, it, was, it took a moment of individual brilliance just to make just to make everything a bit better. But was it better before that, though, Stu? But, you know, the fact that it felt like for me, again, I was watching on a very dodgy stream. Unfortunately, any um, away game or even home game, I've got away with it a couple of times for home game, on the 3rd of September, my wife and my mother's birthday, it ain't going to happen for me. So I'm watching it, trying as I can from a distance. And it did seem like, like you say, it was a mess. Then it started to settle. And it almost felt like, you know, you mean, you know, the possession I'm looking at the end of the game, really. But, you know, we had you know, two thirds of possession in that game and it did feel like we were sort of trying to to build up and we built up enough to 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 score that goal that's that's one positive because i think until yesterday we probably not had control of any game and just been relying on moments of individual brilliance to sort of get us out of trouble which obviously is not sustainable but i think yesterday there was definitely a sign even though we didn't get the winner although we did come close there was definitely a sign that we were beginning to control it and squeeze teams and just sort of like you know really you know really dominate teams you know with like what i imagine norwich are doing as they as they ominously <laughs> slide to the top of the table and also potentially burnley um yeah so there, there was definitely signs that we were beginning to control the game and that's the first i mean i haven't watched every game this season but that definitely that was the first time i've seen that i think maybe apart from the possibly the first half against burnley but as a goal it was fantastic to sort of see any new player score their second goal in, in two games and he did it I was waiting for him to to jump up high and head it in he, you know that's what he talked about when he joined that's his sort of aerial combativeness is, is his favorite thing to do but it was a very well taken goal I mean he had a lot of space to be fair but you know you, you have to take the opportunities like that when they they come towards you how do you feel about him because I think when I saw you outside the Hornet shop uh, on on Tuesday after Middlesbrough game, and you said you were almost berating him before he'd even taken the shot to get the winning goal. How about now? How are you feeling towards him now after seeing Bio play? You know, these last two run, uh, you know, substitute appearance and then starting against Rotherham. How do I feel? Uh, sheepish, in a word. I mean, uh, Tuesday, I think I was still abusing him when the ball rolled over the line for the winner. I mean, uh, <laughs> I was. Um, 
I genuinely thought he was one of the worst players I've ever seen in the Watfordshire. And to be honest, I, I gave KMB that title as well, and he's been sensational for the last game and a half. Well, maybe sensational is overdoing it, but certainly a lot, a lot, lot better. Bio, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just because I'm getting old, um, older. I'm getting impatient because you know you feel like the urgent hand of death on your shoulder, and <laughs> I just don't give people time anymore. Any, you know, in any in any aspect of life, I've now learned that you need to give players time to get used to their new surroundings and the new league. And I accept that Bio may be the greatest Watford player. <clears throat> in- <laughs> <laughs> You're right to be dubious about him initially, Stu, and I'm sort of protecting my own back by protecting you as well because I've been equally critical on this podcast and in private. There'll be if just put it this way: if Vacuum Bio scores sort of 15, 20 goals this season. Uh, never mind the, the the energy bills we face. My the cost of humble pie. Uh, to me, is going to be absolutely uh, ex- extraordinary. But you know, his his record coming to to Watford wasn't wasn't amazing. The the obvious sort of issues about where he came from and that sort of thing, and the and the fee involved, yada yada yada, which we've we've spoken about, which raised eyebrows. And his his start was less than impressive, wasn't it? And he did miss another chance, didn't he? he missed actually missed a couple of chances yesterday. One was very very hard, which was the the rebound that came to him um, yeah. from was, was it a Pedro effort? He he sort of had to stick a, a spree, out and try and yeah, yeah, a spree. That's right, that's right. And then the, the header that hit the post. Did he actually get anything on that, Stu, or did it, did it just did the cross sort of fizz past him and onto the post? I think he did, and a, a bit like his one on Tuesday, kind of stretching and stretching, and didn't quite have the didn't quite have the the height to sort of get a good contact. A bit like the one against. Uh, Middlesbrough before he scored. Arguably, he, he would have put one of the two away. But I mean, the goal. I mean, actually, look, watching it back, he didn't actually have that much room. There were, there were at least, at least one defender was right, right on him. You know, possibly you know, obstructed yeah. his his sight. It was actually a better goal looking back on a replay. A bit like the one on Tuesday night. And the one on Tuesday night when Gaspar or Gasp Air, as we as we as we called him, <laughs> um, um, when he he put the ball through and it span off, it deflected off the Middlesbrough defender, you know, the, the bald lad, uh, off his boot. And when it came to when it arrived at Bio's feet, I mean, the ball was really spinning. And that is really, that's a really hard thing to control yeah. in the 94th minute when everyone's on your back already. Likewise, the goal yesterday, there was a bit of sort of air traffic in front of him as when the ball came in. And it, yeah, I mean, sure. a fantastic, fantastic contact. What was his demeanour like throughout the game, Stu? Does he look like he's warming to his task as a sort of... Yeah, yeah, really, striker? really, yeah. Work hard, working hard, good spring, uh, wasn't offside too much. And he did really well. And then Keenan Davies came on and... I think that must be the quickest a player has had his name sung after coming on for his debut. Because within 20 seconds, he'd done two amazing hold-ups, layoffs, and the crowd were, were, were singing his name. So, you know, Bio did well, but Keenan Davis came on and instantly showed how much better you can do that job. <laughs> <laughs> that is the question, I think, we've got about him, is the fact that we've got to give him time. And, you know, we've seen a player who has improved with a little bit of time, but we know over the his shoulder is, is Keenan Davis, who has done it in this league uh, who is a talent and you know maybe the opportunities will, will come to him but can you see that working Stu with in, I mean when I say working I mean with Saar and Pedro and Espria maybe you know you, you talk about him being a, a player who held up the ball brilliantly well that normally means you need someone else in front of you or some sort of pace around you that you're holding it up for um, not necessarily a, a lone man up top which Bio was playing how do you feel like the him, what you saw yesterday at least, how he's going to be able to, to fit in and, and how he may affect the, the squad? 
to be honest, I don't really know. I mean, I, I, I've, I've read that he's a, he's like a beast holding the ball up and, you know, can just keep hold of it forever. I don't know what, what his goal-scoring records are. I must admit, being uh, with, a, with a bit of sort of like Premier League arrogance, I didn't pay any attention to the Championship last year at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know what he did for Forest. Did he score many? I don't know, did he? He didn't score. He didn't score loads. I think it was it was single figures, but I think it was more his involvement, his hold up play, and a sort of general nuisance that he was able to to create of himself. He, I think, he's got a good touch. He's really, really strong, and and that's that's kind of what was coming across as I was sort of in in Cardiff yesterday. I was I was looking on the um, instead of living in the moment, I was of course scrolling the Watford FC hashtag, and and that's what um, there seemed to be quite a lot of praise for him in in, in that sort of regard as a sort of yeah John used the word beast and I think I saw that come up quite a lot and it feels like to me that's I don't think he's going to be a 20 goal a season man but he could be but can enable enable someone else to get 20 goals sort of thing yeah yeah how, how did that look yesterday I'm not that good on tactics, particularly watching Watford, because I, I tend to just sort of like just watch through my fingers while screaming the word win, just win, just win. <laughs> but um, from what I can see, I mean, when loser comes back, obviously that will make everything that will make everything better. But I mean, I imagine Davis as like a pivot to hold the ball up and just bring Saar, Pedro, Asprilla mm. in and just, you know, because they could all just play off him really as like, you know, like a hub almost of like a focal point. Because, um, yeah, I mean, his... You know his hold-up play and his lay- his layoffs as well. Yesterday they were they were, I mean, they were just fantastic. They really were. I mean, um, yeah, he's um, yeah, yeah. He looked in terms of like you know a big unit number nine who can also play a bit. He just looked you know he looked he looked the finished article to be honest. So his uh, fellow uh, Villa Loney Stu Courtney Hawes. I don't know about you, John. I thought when he came on uh, on Tuesday, he he changed the game completely allowed Kamara to come over to the left and well he didn't allow Kamara to come over to the left but in conjunction with that Kamara switching over it all everything just seemed easy all of a sudden from a defensive point of view we we know that yesterday certainly after four minutes we were anything but finding it easy how, how did he look in in in, in back there Stu? very much a continuation of his of his sub appearance um he kind of you can tell he's you know half a half a step up half a step up from all our other centre halves not just passing the ball out to the fullbacks, but he was a couple of times he, he was playing like, you know, zippy little passes into like the number into like Asprilia or something like that. You know, he had he had more than one pass he could make. And obviously some of our centre halves have, you know, zero to one passes they're they're capable of making, in fairness. Certainly going forward. So yeah, yeah, he's got a couple of different ways of progressing the ball. Very calm, muscular. Yeah, yeah. He's um he's exactly what we need as the uh, as the song goes. Yeah, yeah. Mike, how do you see that back back three settling? Do you think in the in the long term? It's a difficult one. The question that I've got for for you guys is why why does Sierra find himself out of the team so often? Yeah. What would your back three bit have been? Well, I th- I think I would if if you're going to play a, a three centre backs, I would I would choose Courtney Hawes, Craig Cathcart, and Francisco Sierra. Agreed. I think I think they're the best three centre backs at the at, at the club. Just, you know, Sierra can make things look difficult sometimes, and I, I think he's always he's, he is going to struggle. For example, in the Premier League, I don't think he is absolute elite level. Let, don't don't get me wrong, but I think in terms of who you can rely on the most, I think those trio, that trio, are the best for me. I've I've always said it, and I, th- I can't remember who it was, but someone made a really good point on on Twitter the other day about. Uh, yeah, that did happen. Someone made a good point on Twitter um, that, that Craig Cathcart gets people are a bit have got a bit of a blind spot about how they react to Craig Cathcart, and I think it's 
people get bored with him. They say, oh, Craig Cathcart's still playing for us. He's not a very sexy player. He doesn't really catch the eye. He's, he's, you know, he's not many people are getting him on the back of shirts. I doubt there's been many posters on, on walls of Craig Cathcart. But for me, that's exactly what you want from a, a, a centre-back. I've said it probably more times than from the get-go. I've said it more times than we have to caveat with this. All the stupid stuff that I say. What you get from Craig Cathcart is what you want from a central defender. If there's a pass on and it's a simple one and it's low risk, he'll take it. If there's a defender, if there's an attacker bearing down on him and he's not sure what to do, he'll stick it out. Um, he's, he's, he's sort of he knows when to, to his timing. That sort of innate thing that a centre back has to do, which is sort of judge the flight of the ball, know when to go tight to your defender, to to striker. Sorry, know when to 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 fall back. He he just gets that and he. He does it with no nonsense, and I really like that about about Craig Cathcart. And I think that Courtney Hawes is is like that as well, just a slut, but is more dominating. Um, and I think Francisco Sierra Alta is uh, is 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 probably I, I, if if I had to rely on one more than the other, I'd, I'd, I'd choose Sierra Alta over over Cabaselli for the reasons we mentioned earlier. But I've just there's this weird thing where he keeps getting dropped. And he is a bit of a fan's favourite because he, you know, he looks the part, doesn't he? When he's playing well, he looks good. He's he dominates the the striker. He he leads, nods clear, and and can look he can look the the business. But there's obviously something that's not not quite right with with him behind the scenes because he he fell out of favour quickly last season, didn't he? In the in the relegation season, and he's in and out of the team now. And I don't know what what you guys make make of that. He got he got blamed for the Wolves' gold last right. at the start of last yeah. season, didn't he? And it never, everything wasn't really the same after that. I mean, I, there was a lot of surprise in the in the stands when we got, we got there very early due to a lack of other things to do. Seen one abandoned warehouse, seen them all. But uh, there was a lot of surprise in the stands when when Cabaselli was, you know, starting ahead of Serialta because there's, there's one thing Serialta can do it's it's head the ball away, and that, their mm. goal probably wouldn't have happened if he'd been there. On the subject of Cathcart, actually, yeah, he was. I remember you, you jogged my memory. He was excellent yesterday, playing in the right of a three, and uh, and for the record, my um, uh, we do have his poster on the wall. My eldest son, as uh, tremendous, yeah. um, well, quite right that too. May, that, may, that may be because I we just haven't decorated in years. I mean, it's it's such an old poster. <laughs> we, have, we haven't even got an internet betting sponsor on the shirt. Um, but um, <laughs> it's covering up that polyfill, isn't it? He was, yeah, exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he he was excellent yesterday. I remember, I remember, I remember loudly applauding him down in our corner at one point when he uh, when he for the umpteen time he sort of like managed to play our way out of trouble from the corner flag and, and progress the ball up the, up, up the field but yeah it's, it's a strange one if Serie Alta was was carrying a knock you'd like to think the club would would have you know maybe said something I don't know just to sort mm. of like help explain this the the uh, the selection because it made no sense apart from that yeah there's no game of the week um, or anything like that or you know rotating the players so yeah it is it is the say it's as Mike sort of said it's the question we keep having about that Watford player we haven't talked about midfield um, no massive massive changes there um, we're sort of still waiting for loser to come back as, as Stu sort of mentioned Stu just doing what they're doing they're not terrible they're not groundbreaking but they're they're solid enough aren't they yeah, yeah. I mean, Kayembe's turned into Johan Cruyff since um, since he set up that, the the goal against um, the equaliser against uh, Borough, which is quite extraordinary. I do think that a bit like Didier Deschamps, I think when Lou uh, did for France, when Loser comes back, he would just kind of make it all work. And a bit like Will Hughes did last season, uh, two years ago, he would just kind of. I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm not a very hopeful man by nature, but I'm hoping that Loser will just kind of make it all work. And um, what, what, what seems strange to me, and it's probably coincidence, everyone was on Tom Cleverley's back at the start of the season as being, you know, a bit of a, bit of a chuffer, too old, a bit trundling around. But to my mind, we've, 
played really quite poorly ever since half-time against Burnley when he went off. I think that seemed to represent... A, I could be wrong, but I think we were... We were Everything was functioning a lot better when Tom Cleverley was in the team. I could be wrong, but that's certainly how it feels. I think there's more control with. I mean, I think people who, who criticise him for, you know, he's not the the, the sprightly twenty year old he he once was. That is, that is patently obvious. But I think there's more to life as a midfielder, certainly a central midfielder, than just herring around a hundred miles an hour all the time. There's there's sort of a, a responsibility and that of captain to manage the the, the tempo. Stuff like having a word with your with your fellow players, making sure the ref is uh, is taking notice if your if your striker's getting his toes trodden on, um, you know it's the stuff that John Eustace used to do. And what Watford have really struggled to do, I think, is and it sounds like this was was mirrored yesterday. Is a start well, and then b once they have started to control the game, to have an element of to have a a, a say in the tempo of it, have a say in the direction of play and. It's, I'm not, you know, for one minute suggesting that Tom Cleverley will solve that, but I think your, your point is a good one, Stu. That since he he has been absent, that that has been markedly obvious. Um, and whether you know, I think we'd all prefer to have more options in, in midfield. I think it, as as the weeks go past, it, it shows what a good signing Chowdhury was, and maybe maybe good is the wrong word. Important is probably the 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 more apt word because without him coming in. Um, we we really would be struggling, and his his arrival seems to have freed up Kayembe a little bit over the last last couple of games. He's starting to to flourish a bit, but yeah, without cleverly, it's we are a different side, and perhaps that is part of the imbalance and the lack of control that I've been bemoaning certainly over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think it's leadership, isn't it? I think that yeah. only really dawned on me yesterday on the way home. I think Tom cleverly gives leadership if nothing else and we haven't got anyone all that stuff you said Mike about you know sort of like you know managing the ref and the tempo of the game and all that we haven't really got anyone in the middle anyone in the middle who can do that maybe Chowdhury could be that man I don't know but at the moment well, he, no, he hairs around he does hair around like a like a young whippersnapper doesn't he this if, if you want control I don't think Chowdhury's the man because he's he's doing he's doing Hamza Chowdhury things which is steaming around the place at, at full tilt and it's just a, it's a little bit about the, the margins of the game isn't it it's not Football isn't binary. It's all about the. It combines to a performance is is all sorts of different things, isn't it? It's about attitude, application, uh, how you manage moments, and and making sure that those moments either combine to, to to build momentum or they stop the opposition momentum. I think it was Middlesbrough the, the game. The uh, one of the substitutes, for example, I think the ball came to him, and Watford were about to break, and he kicked the ball onto the pitch. Um, and I think one of the Watford players saw it and uh, and quickly dealt with that. And I was watching him, and I think you could tell the cogs were turning in his head. Shall I throw this ball back on the pitch if uh, if Watford break again? And it's that's you know that's that's you don't want Watford players doing that. But it's all those sort of things, isn't it? You know, if there's a if there's a stoppage, how do you react after that? It's it's not just about the tactics and the uh, and how the individual players play in, in terms of what they're asked to do in the, in their position. It's how it all meshes together and and that and that still feels like we're we're missing that slightly and it sounds like with your uh, report from yesterday's too that's still an issue that that needs needs solving and whether loser sort of slots straight in and 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 solves that I'm, I'm not sure I've got the words of we spoke to Troy didn't we before the the season started and he he said you know Imran loser is is going to find it well, he sort of alluded to the fact that he's not just going to have have the opportunity to stand there like a uh, a quarterback, you know, nicely protected by his 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 line to to pick passes left left and right. The the 
tackles are going to come in quickly and and aggressively and the people are going to try and disrupt him he's not just going to be able to spray passes left right and center at his his leisure so th- there is a question mark over him and about how he can react when he come comes in but obviously we can't we can't pass comment on that but I'm s- slightly nervous that there's a lot of eggs going into a loser shaped basket at the moment <laughs> that's where all my eggs are we're the Orns you're the Orns come on you Orns we're very privileged to be joined by Stu's son, Alex. Alex, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Good man. Thanks for joining us on the on the podcast. You've kept me company on many a way day. Uh, you get more sense out of you than your dad normally, so it's good to have you on the on the podcast. Uh, you're sounding particularly sprightly, especially considering a you went to Rotherham yesterday and b you're back at school. So, bearing in mind it's school tomorrow, what I wanted to ask you was, can you grade? Watford's season so far pretend you're sort of Watford football club's headmaster what's your grade for them uh maybe b plus uh because I we've got results but we haven't played well to be honest why haven't we got the results would you say where do where do Watford need to focus we need to get a better right back it's quite simple Gasper's just really bad so really bad but what why is it do you think he's bad as in he can't defend or bad as in can't get forward or what's the deal with Gaspar because he's played he's played European football hasn't he yeah both yeah you're not having him at all so Gaspar's the weak link who is your apart from going to take João Pedro off the table who's the shining star who's the star pupil so far for Watford this term so they're our best two players apart Dennis was our best player but he's obviously left now which isn't great yeah, I've got I've got another question for you actually because my dad watched the uh, Middlesbrough game on the TV on Tuesday. I was there like like you, and I came home absolutely buzzing about Aspria. I think he's been brilliant this season. What did, what have you made of him uh, so far, Alex? I think he's lively when he comes off the bench, like he did against Burnley. He was just running around like he's a bit of a raw talent. Not the finished article just yet. And and speaking of people who aren't the finished article, they're they're finding their way. What do you make of the gaffer? What do you think about Rob Edwards so far? I think he's made some poor decisions. Like he keeps on putting Kamara on the wrong side. So Watford get a B plus. What about Rob? What about Rob? What grade are you going to give him? B minus. Very fair. Very even-handed. Thank you so much for joining us, Alex. We'll see you soon. And that is the closing of the windows. Uh, of course, the windows transfer window of uh, 2022 closed this week. Uh, we've had a couple of days to sit back and relax about it all. I just want to, yeah, we're going to have a, a, a chat about it. But I want to, you know, there's a lot of players leaving a transfer window. What, what is the game you remember when I say these players to you? Mike, Emmanuel Dennis. Everton away, or and this is me, John. You're never going to get one set of simple answer. <laughs> I think Everton away, his madcap celebration summed up the absolute barminess of that afternoon. And Norwich away with his uh, upside down celebration, his flip, which was immortalised as a still picture of him upside down. And there's a Norwich player, just flip, uh, Norwich fan in the background, oh, yeah. just flipping him the bird. So uh, yeah, Norwich away and Everton away for Emmanuel Dennis for me. Uh, Stuart Cucho Hernandez, what's what's his game? Oh, Villa, Villa, the first game of the season with the goal. When he came on, was it, 90, was it 92 seconds into his Watford that, career yeah. and he uh, curled it in the corner and we all thought everything was going to be fine. Uh, yes, Cucho, that, that Villa, Villa at home, first day of the season. I suspect, Mike, if I said to you Joshua King, you would also say Everton away uh, with his hat-trick that he, he got there. What about, <laughs> this is, I think there's only one answer to this because he only did play one game. Nicholas Nkulu, Mike. Was it, did he play against Manchester United? Well, my game was Arsenal away. Arsenal away, yes. That's the yes, only game I can ever way. remember him playing. I think he, I think he might have come on late in that Everton game as well. That Everton game's getting uh, he did. Getting a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. Yes, he did. He came on the last ten minutes and looked really good. 
and then played. I presume Arsenal was the next week. This is now a podcast about Watford playing at Goodison Park. <laughs> One of the only pluses of last year. It became a running joke, didn't it, about the uh, the fitness uh, updates on the, the from the Watford account about Nicholas and Kulu nearly returning to uh, training or fitness. But yeah, so uh, yeah, Arsenal away. That was an interesting. Interesting old game that one, but uh, yeah, Nicholas, we 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 barely knew you. Yeah, it's time for Aris, hasn't he? Aris Thess- Thessaloniki, and he's playing with Andre Gray. Lots of the players left, you know. We you know Danny Rose left. I always think of Danny. I always think of the Norwich game again. One of the only games he sort of imparted himself on as, as a Watford player. What about this one, Mike? This is going to be interesting. Alberto Peñaranda. What game comes to mind? Any of his games for Venezuela. <laughs> It was really good for them. Um, for Watford game, was he? I think he played. What did he? He actually scored in fifty percent of his, the, the times he played, didn't he? Four <laughs> appearances, two two goals. Why we've let someone with a strike rate like that go is, is beyond me. But he scored a really good goal against Coventry, didn't he? Yeah. In, the, in the League Cup, so uh, that's the one for me. Well done, the Panda. And I, I, I suppose I was Woking one. away, yes, um, kick started that that amazing cup run all the way to the to the final. So he he'll have a very very small place in. Uh, in Watford folklore, he would have. Would that have been enough to get a winner's medal had Watford won the cup? I don't know. So lots of players have left, but of course, you know, we many have come, and we'll talk about where we find ourselves in a minute. But at the beginning of the window, Stuart, or even before it opened, what did you really expect from Watford, a recently relegated side? What did you expect in terms of business to to happen, in terms of incoming or, or, or outgoings? Well, I expected to lose more than one of our three good ones. I think the club wanted to sell or needed to sell two of them. About 10 days ago, it looked like we were going to lose all three because it looked like Sarah and, and Zhao were both off. I was hoping we'd keep two. Whether that's financially viable or not, I don't know. I get the impression that the, the, the 16 million Kamari Udinese thing was a was a case of <laughs> we need this money today <laughs> because tomorrow will be too late. Keeping two of our three good ones plus making some sensible signings where we needed two was all I wanted and we've largely done that. Obviously, we've, the right-back situation has left us a bit lopsided and and if Kamara's now injured then that causes an extra problem but I think keeping two of our three good ones bringing in Hawes, Davis and Chowdhury uh, who help make a fairly fairly well very strong spine at this level I'm going to park my complaints for once in my life and say uh, yeah Mm -hmm. I think that's fairly decent I think and you have to add, but you have to add Bayo into the into the, the mix now. Of course, two, two, two how could I forget in, my new games. my new favourite player? Yes, yes, yes. yes. And you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll hold my hands up entirely and say that I felt that Ray Manai and and Bayo were poor signings. Uh, that that was my instant take. I looked at Manet's, um previous sort of body of work, and it was to say it was less than inspiring would be would be underestimating it. Uh, under-egging it uh, quite considerably. He he just hasn't scored any goals wherever he's been. He wasn't wanted back where he was on loan last year. Uh, and it just looked like, how's he going to come good for Watford? We've talked ad nauseum about the concerns we've had about, about Bio. He's stepped up and, and scored two two goals in, in two games, two important goals in two games. And as, as Stu's rightly pointed out, two good goals in, in two games. So... He has he has earned himself a reprieve, aren't I generous in in, in my eyes, Stu? I think he's absolutely right to point out that Howes, uh, Davis, and Chowdhury, you can you can see the merit in all three of those signings. Uh, really, really sensible, canny captures. Uh, they would probably get into into most championship sides. You, you you would have thought so. Good good work there. And then of course we we kept João Pedro and we kept Ismaila Ismaila Sar. And I think that those 
two are a, were a blessing and a curse during this during this transfer window. And it's it's a real curate's egg, isn't it? Some people are happy, some people are dissatisfied, some people are sort of still can't quite work out whether it's a successful window or not. And I don't suppose any of us will until they bed in and. Uh, and there's a, there's a proper run of fixtures with this squad, but I think the fact I say blessing and a curse is because we knew that there's players, there's clubs in for them. It was well publicised. Uh, Villa and Newcastle got very, very close to signing uh, both of those guys, and I think the board will have known that as well. So we'll have known that if they go, they're going to have to be replaced, and if they don't go, that's a big chunk of money that they could have potentially budgeted for that wasn't going to be available. So I think probably, if I was a, a, a betting man, I would say that they probably banked on keeping Pedro and the others going, and that, that didn't happen. So there was a big chunk of money that didn't didn't arrive into the club, and therefore they weren't able to to invest that. Or and so is that a good thing that we didn't have the money to invest because we've still got the players, or is it a bad thing that we didn't get rid of players that we were expecting to go and therefore freed up some? Some funds also, and I don't know how accurate this is, but I saw a, a, a tweet and it said the difference basically between what you lose by going down in terms of payments coming in, TV money, yada, 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 and the money. That's, so you lose 60 million quid effectively. That's what relegation costs straight away in terms of uh, what you're missing. And we've had 60 million quid come in. So we've managed to do what's needed to be done to keep the wolf from the door to, to, to break even. But it's it's so interesting, isn't it, that we never we didn't know if they were going. The board won't have known if they were going. The player players wouldn't have known if they were going. So unsettling on a on a whole host of levels, but it just made it difficult, didn't it? It's there's still question marks around it. Is is keeping them better than the money we would have got that could have been re- reinvested in a number of other players? Because you can't replace players like that. You certainly can't replace João Pedro. Um, at, at championship level and you can't really replace someone like Ismail Asar he hasn't had the impact yet this season that, that, that Pedro has I wouldn't have said but his his pace and his his presence is enough to scare defenders and to scare managers and um, you know we were up against Rotherham yesterday their manager was uh, was it a part of that amazing podcast wasn't yeah. it Moment of Truth on BBC so we know how people look at teams and we know that they take on board and they, they're aware of the danger that the opposition players have and it's I, I can't it's it's just an interesting one and that's why the debate is sort of still rumbles on a little bit Are there, would, it, would it have been better to get rid of not get rid of them but cash in on those players because we know they're going to go eventually and then you can you can perhaps buy three or four uh, players with that money or, or two two players and, and when we've got a bit of a financial buffer or whatever it's it rumbles on and I think the for me, I'm I'm happy because the bottom line is I said at the top of the show: do what makes you happy and really really cling on to that. And what makes me happy, believe it or not, is watching watching Watford and the fact that I get to watch Jao Pedro and Ismail Assar play for Watford until at least January is is magnificent. And the fact that that's happening in the Championship is is pretty extraordinary, really. And I've seen a few complaints that you know keeping our own players isn't that that impressive when it comes to transfer dealings and. You know, I kind of get that in, in in terms of sentiment, but actually, you've still got to sell them the 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 job of being a championship footballer. You've still got to sell them on right. If you stay here and give your and give your best for us, you might get this move or this is what the job is. And you've got to make sure that they they are fully invested and fully committed. So it's it's tricksy, but I'm I'm I think overall, I'm pleased that those those guys are worth a lot to us in terms of what we 
what we are as a team. We the, the, other opposition defenses are going to have to worry about those guys for, until at least January. And that's that's worth a, a lot. And I think we should be able to cobble together a defence good enough to, to to see us through. They're not actually they're not doing a great job of showing that at the moment. The, the mistakes are too frequent for for me to say that with any any confidence and without any serious risk of egg on my face. But and, and as I said earlier, speaking of eggs, there's all those eggs in the loser basket. So there's lots of questions still still to be asked. But if things go our way, then we should be in in decent nick. But by the same token, we are a couple of uh, injuries away from from looking looking thin so you know look ultimately the bottom line is i think it's a it's a decent window to keep keep those guys as supporters we want to see the best players possible playing for for watford to see those guys for another period of time at at vicarage road is uh, is something that is worth celebrating really I mean, I, I, I get quite frustrated with a transfer window with everybody sort of going, we need this, we need this, we need this. Yeah, I'd like to upgrade every single position, every single position, upgrade them all every single year and sell them on. But we know the mechanics and the, the problems and the hurdles that club have. And, and you sort of do, you know, we do play down Bio and, and Manai a little bit. Maybe to Manai because he hasn't scored two goals and Bayer has in the last two games. But they didn't feel like they were meant to come in as number ones, you know, the, being the main people at Watford. They were going to be part of a a squad, let's say. And again, this is Pozzo's being what they are of finding someone and shine them a little bit and and sell them on. Maybe not sell them on for twenty million or whatever, and maybe not even ten, but to make some money from them in in the time that we have them. And that's where I feel we're there. And like you say, the Jab Pedro and the Sar thing, the or the the worry in the transfer window was always when they went and how quickly we could react. And even if we had that money, what would we have done with it, and how would it have helped us? But then when we signed Davis, it really felt like, no, that's the right player for this division at this point. And you talked about it earlier, Mike. You sort of mentioned about these players fighting for their place in the Premier League next year. Or that's what they're, they're, they're hoping to happen, as we all are. But it's, it's, we, we saw the last time we got relegated. I know the first transfer window was, was hampered because of you know, the, the, you know, the fact that they couldn't get players out the door. But when it came to the January transfer window, and they sort of did it a little bit last season as well, they make the changes that are needed for that time, not necessarily looking at long-term players. And it does feel like it is a short-term squad because of those low knees mm. um, in, in Hawes and in Davis and in Chowdhury, even though I'm sure they have buy-on clauses and all that sort of stuff. I, I, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the window, knowing it, it feels sensible enough it doesn't feel like we've gone extravagant, um, and knowing that we only have two years of transfer, you know, a parachute payments, it's, it's it, business-wise, it, it makes sense. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Would I have liked a, an extra left wing back, not just having to rely on Ken Semmer? Of course I would, but we need to sort of see what Bob can 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 do with them. Stu, how do you feel about what you're seeing and what what they could do? Uh, this this 25 man squad we have. It's it smacks of a squad that's going to be here for a good time, not a long time. Um, but I think that's just the nature of you know being <laughs> of being relegated and and having and all the other things like the um, the the new sort of uh, homegrown player rule and all the and all the other and the financial hole and all that. Um, yeah, I think when we get our best players on the pitch, I think we will be fine. But it there isn't that much depth there. I think we saw in the window two sides the the. the the pros and the cons of the Pozzo model. Like we, we had a certain black hole to fill financially and we managed to fill it with with only losing one of our three sort of 
you know, strikers. And the rest we made up with bits and bobs from, you know, Estupinan and all 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 these other sort of <laughs> bizarre deals that the that Potsos have done. And, you know, bit by bit, we managed to just about be able to hold on to Saar and, and as well as Pedro. But the, the flip side of it is, you know, we buy we buy these players and like early, like we Minaj, whatever his name is, and, um, and Bayo, and both of whom, you know, despite the last two games, I'm not quite, not quite sure either of the are the answer. And then you get to the you know you think oh there's maybe we could have got a proper twenty goal a season man maybe like like the kid Archer from Villa but you know we can't go we can't this is the problem with the Potsdam model and we had we had this with the, the Ivan Tony situation years ago you know we can't go for this player the player we want we really need because we've got thirteen other players who are who are who, are, who aren't very good already cluttering up that position. It's, it just reminds me of Barry Fry's Peterborough. Uh, like Barry Fry's Birmingham, a bit, you know, a squad of 55 players and, you know, it's just too many. And I think quality over quantity would have been would have been slightly better. I think if they hadn't gone for Bayo and Minaj early, because, you know, they, well, I think Bayo cost was at five and a half million. I um, don't know what Minaj cost, but, you know, if you hadn't gone for these players early, if you'd, buy, if you'd you know, if they bided their time, we might be able to get just the one player that we really wanted. So that, that, that's a frustration. Well, we'll see how they do. We have a game in a week's time at home to Reading. Uh, and we'll, yeah, we'll see how Rob moves his pieces with Kamara going off injured, uh, how we can uh, fill those gaps. And if we can get some solidity at the back, some flair in the middle and some uh, goals banging in at the, the front. Three, four, <laughs> however many there are. We'll, we'll see how this, this, this team starts shaping up. Now we know exactly who is there and who is available for Rob to pick from. Thank you very much, Stuart, for your time. No problem. Thanks, chaps. And thank you, Michael. And to Alex for his uh, even-handed report <laughs> yes. card. Marvellous, marvellous stuff there. And if you do get the chance to get, uh, go to an away game with Stu or Alex, I'd, I'd go with uh, Alex every time, to be perfectly <laughs> frank. But uh, yeah, lovely <laughs> lovely to talk to you, Stu. And I think what you, you sort of had a little giggle there, John, when you were saying, well, we need to score some goals, keep it tight at the back and get a bit more creative in midfield. But, but Watford do need to click. They do need to start showing signs of... Of moving in the in the right direction, and it was a, a frustrated Rob Edwards, wasn't it, after the game yesterday? And I suspect a frustrated, nearly the best part of nineteen hundred Watford fans heading back down the, the motorway yesterday, which is a terrific effort, I thought, by the way. Um, so yeah, fair play to the nineteen hundred that that went up there. Watford do need to; they've got some pretty obvious things to, to sort out. The slow start can't carry on. Uh, the defensive lapses have, have got to stop. We, the Reading have got some some decent attacking options, and uh, we'll 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 see an opportunity. I think facing Watford, they're they're definitely we're definitely a side in in a flux is the wrong word, but a state of transition, which I'm a bit nervous about. You know, we're we're we're, we're getting we're into the season now, pretty pretty comfortably into it, and I'd like to start to see a little bit more solidity and stability from this side so I think it's a big another big week for for Rob and his and his team and uh, yeah it'd be absolutely fascinating as always to see what which Watford turn up on Saturday let's hope for us it's a Reading Festival oh very good very good with Bayo and the Crows headlining <laughs> yeah do follow us on socials at Watford Podcast on Twitter on Facebook and on Instagram uh, and uh, make sure you tell your friends because uh, it's always good to, to hear people and uh, more people to listen and feedback uh, good or bad uh, on what we get up to here on From the Rookery End uh, and we'll be back of course after the next game at home to Reading come on you horns. 